Good Morning Teacher, I'm Noelle Pickering. On the Good Morning Teacher podcast, we bring practical solutions to busy teachers because you can love your job and leave your work at school. Join us each week to talk through tools and strategies that help you maximize your time and effort both in the classroom and at home. I'm excited to cheer you on as you face the week ahead. Morning, teachers. You're listening to episode number 18. Last week on the podcast, we talked about the number one mistake that we make as teachers, how we can balance it all, and how to set clear boundaries. Plus, we talk about what you may need to intentionally say no to. To check out that episode, be sure to visit maneuveringthemiddle.com slash episode 17. Today, I'm speaking with all of you out there who are going to be joining the classroom for the very first time next year. Maybe you just graduated from college with your teaching certificate and you're giddy to start preparing for this new school year. Maybe you're transitioning from another career and you're feeling more apprehensive about this big life change. Whatever the circumstance, I think you will get some great takeaways to help you prepare for the upcoming school year. If you aren't a first year teacher, then be sure to jump in our Facebook group and share your words of wisdom and encouragement. There is nothing quite like learning from someone who has been in your shoes. Let's do it. When I think about sitting down to coffee with you and sharing some words of wisdom and encouragement, I think I would start with this. You are responsible for creating a safe learning environment for students to make mistakes. As the teacher and the adult in the classroom, this is one of the most crucial responsibilities of yours because not only does it make your classroom an enjoyable place for students to be, but it also sets the foundation for relationship building and authentic learning. Students learn by doing, and sometimes that means doing something incorrectly. I love what Joe Bowler says about this. She says, when you make a mistake in math, your brain grows. Synopsis fire in your brain. In fact, your brain grows when you make a mistake, but when you get work right, no brain growth happens. We want our students' brains to grow. We want them to make connections and take what they are learning in class and see how it works in the outside world, in the real world. That means that we need to think about the way we respond when a student makes a mistake or shares a wrong answer in the, with the class. Many times, that looks like phrases we use to follow up to those responses. Here are some ways you may want to consider. So try not to get in the habit of immediately saying if someone is correct or not. In actuality, it really closes off the thinking process for other students in the class once you say, yes, that's correct. Everyone else in the classroom doesn't have to think anymore. Try instead something like, thanks for sharing, Michael. Let's see what other ways our classmates have thought about that problem. Or maybe you would say something like, Rochelle, can you explain how Michael may have gotten that answer? You didn't tell them if it was right or wrong, and you also involved another student in the discussion. This also applies to giving feedback individually. Speaking of feedback, we did a whole podcast episode on the difference between feedback and grading, which may also be helpful to you. You can check that out by going to maneuveringthemiddle.com slash episode seven. But we want to give feedback that doesn't just praise them if they are correct or an X on their paper if they missed it. We want to give genuine feedback that allows them to learn and learn from their mistakes. 
even as teachers, we make mistakes and we can model how to handle making a mistake. I remember a teacher of mine, she would always say something like, I wanted to make sure you were paying attention. And then she would wink and smile and just, it became kind of a funny thing to do. It was a little more fun, a little more comical, and it was a really predictable response of hers. You can totally normalize making mistakes by incorporating error analysis questions into your classroom or using the strategy, my favorite, no, which allows students to basically analyze how something or why a student would make an incorrect answer. Both of these get students comfortable with looking at an error, and then they allow for discussion and conversation. And that is the key, right? Even if we make a mistake or a student makes a mistake or we're analyzing an error, it's the conversation and the learning that happens because of that that we're really trying to get at. A safe learning environment will help students to be more engaged and more involved in their learning. If you are teaching middle school, then you should prepare yourself for the second point, teaching students to work through hard things, also known as productive struggle. People don't like to do hard things. We have talked about that also on the podcast. Think about that one chore that you've been pushing off for weeks. Mine is cleaning out the pantry. It's really messy, a lot of work to get it organized, Plus, it kind of functions just fine as is. So I am avoiding it. Well, middle schoolers can be that way too. They will quit when things get tough. They may even quit based on their preconceived notion about what is tough. Some may say something like, I don't get it, or I don't understand. Do not accept that. You can respond with, I don't get it yet, and bring in that growth mindset. You can come up with a classroom slogan or motto for them to repeat back to you, kind of like, I can do this, or I am capable, or I am not afraid of hard things. Then you need to shift those I don't understand type responses to a specific question about the content. Or by asking, what do you understand? We want them to make a connection to something that they already know so that they're able to construct a plan based on that. I think that one of the reasons that students fight against this productive struggle is because they don't fully understand that student learning is your top priority, not the completion of assignment, not a hundred on an uh, assessment. You want your students to learn. And so we need to communicate that to our students. This is an intention that you can set from the very first day. Several years ago, we did a blog post on this topic. And one thing that we shared was an image or a a diagram that basically shows like a little flow chart of the process of owning your own learning. You may have heard that phrase like ask three before me. This is a great classroom management tool and teaches students to attempt to resolve their own question before coming to you, the teacher. The flow chart is similar in that it helps students walk through the process potentially refer back to an assignment, refer back to your notes, watch a video, ask a classmate, and then ask the teacher. It gives students ownership of their learning. To grab this freebie, you can head to maneuveringthemiddle.com episode 18. As a new teacher, you'll have many mountains to climb. The steepest may actually be fighting against students who would prefer to just opt out of owning their learning. So by working on this mindset, teaching them about the process of learning, creating an engaging and safe learning environment, you are stacking the cards in, that, in their favor so that they are prepared and willing to kind of fight through that productive struggle. My third tip for a first year teacher is to ask for help and then to be a good student. It is impossible to know everything about teaching. You don't know what you don't know. 
A veteran teacher with 30 years of experience would likely say that they are learning new things and they have situations in which they need to ask for help. My encouragement is to ask for help earlier than you think you need it and to be a good student. First, asking a trusted colleague or mentor is probably your most desirable route to take. This colleague will know you personally. They'll know the students that you teach. They'll know the dynamics of the school you're at and your administrative team. These are all very important pieces of information with seeking help. So really try to start there. If that doesn't work or it doesn't um, provide the support that you may need, then remember the internet is your friend. From Facebook groups and Instagram to our Maneuvering the Middle blog and podcasts just like this, teachers are happy to share ideas. When it comes to teaching math, many things have changed. If you are relying solely on how you learned it growing up, then you may be missing out on some really great strategies. The way we teach math has come a long way from flashcards and rote memorization. The way that I taught students to divide fractions during my first year of teaching is nowhere near how I would approach to teaching dividing fractions today. We have to be good students to research and read and improve our teaching craft. Now, I am operating under the assumption that you are a first-year teacher, so while it is very important, I think the bigger takeaway is not to be afraid to ask for help when it comes to actually teaching the content. This way, you are able to communicate the why behind the process and not just steps or a procedure. Lastly, I would encourage you to find a reliable and trusted curriculum or resource to use. This may be something provided to you by your district or campus. It may be something that you seek out on your own. I always share that I wasted so much time preparing to decorate my classroom that first summer, and then I actually really didn't know the content that I was responsible for teaching. If you can get your hands on this early in the summer, you will be so grateful come fall. There is so much required your first year and so many plates to spin. I would highly recommend finding something that you can use as a foundation to build on. Speaking of saving time, I wanted to share with you about our upcoming podcast episodes. We've spent quite some time interviewing teachers about their year, reflecting on what they learned, and also how they use our Maneuvering the Middle curriculum. If you own our curriculum or if you're thinking about trying it out in the fall, then I really think you will benefit from their experience and knowledge and expertise in the classroom. So be sure to tune in on our upcoming episodes where Jody shares how she uses Maneuvering the Middle resources in conjunction with the GRID method. And then later this summer, we'll hear from Marissa on how she uses Maneuvering the Middle curriculum in a small group setting so that she can differentiate. I am really excited to share these with you. So as a quick recap, if you are beginning your teaching journey, then I am so excited for you. I want to encourage you to strive to create a safe learning environment for your students, teach them the power of productive struggle, ask questions early and often, and to find a trusted resource. Summer is here and we are so excited to drop weekly encouragement and practical tips into your favorite podcasting player. Tell us how you're enjoying summer and what you are up to while listening. You can tag us at Maneuvering the Middle on both Facebook and Insta. If you've been loving the podcast, then we would love a five-star review. It helps us to get found by other teachers. For all of the links, resources, and freebies mentioned today in one easy place, check out maneuveringthemiddle.com slash episode 18. I'm Noelle Pickering, and you've been listening to the Good Morning Teacher Podcast. Until next time, friends, make it a great week.